I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, NFTs might have a slippery slope. India tells companies to sell their Bitcoin before IPO. Could Michael Saylor have influenced that? And we're not talking about Stargate the movie, even though it's really good. We're talking about Stargate's implementation on Cosmos, coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021. You know, I've been on like this whole financial enlightenment trip the past, I don't know, couple months just to figure out how to manage finances, right? I want to be more financial literate. And it's inevitable that if you're watching somebody say on YouTube or they have a podcast that they're pretty well off. I mean, Michael Saylor, Dave Ramsey, Chamath Palihapitiya, and his crew on the All In Podcast, they all have lots of money. And they're all giving financial advice. Well, they're just telling you what they would do, what, how they would operate in the space, and how they'll leverage their money, and you know how they would invest, and how they would huddle. And you know what I would really like? I would really like just somebody to be an average person. An average person that put a couple grand in at the bottom that now maybe are seeing $20,000 in their bank account. More money they've ever seen in their life. And okay, in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about like Chamath Paliapatia, that's a billionaire, $20,000 isn't a lot of money. And he knows that. And that's the thing. He's like, when you watch these people like Michael Saylor, he's talking about, oh yeah, you just leveraged your $100 million. It's like, what do you mean leverage my $100 million? <laughs> I don't have $100 million, bro. I don't have a million dollars. I do have $20,000 in the bank. Luckily, what do I do with it? How do I manage this money because it's the most I ever had to make my life better? Maybe you have $50,000 or $100,000. Now, you're not leveraging this the same way as maybe these super rich people, but this could be life-changing money for you and your family. But $100,000 only goes so far. $50,000 only goes so far. What do you do? Do you pay off the house? Do you set it up for your kids? Do you pay off a little bit of your house? Do you just hold it as emergency funds? How does the average consumer manage $100,000 or $50,000 or a little bit of come up that they got from hodling crypto? Is it a long-term hodl game or is it a short-term hodl game? How would somebody manage to make the best life they can make if they're just the average hodler? And I wish more people spoke to the modest average person's come-ups, $20,000, $10,000, I talk to a lot of listeners. I talk to a lot of people in the space that might right now, because of $50,000 Bitcoin, have more money they've ever had in their life. Now, it isn't Lambo money. But with two kids at home and a mortgage, to understand how to manage $50,000 or $100,000 could be life-changing. So if you're listening to this and you do have that channel and you have the urge to do something in the crypto space, promote the hell out of it. Because there's a lot of people right now that are hodling a little Bitcoin, maybe a half a Bitcoin. That's all they got. But it could make a huge difference to know what to do with that money. Speaking of money, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. 
Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 10:45 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $53,007, down 7.5% from yesterday. But please, it's all about relativity. This is the same price as it was four days ago. We just got to make sure that we look back a little bit to understand that corrections do happen, pullbacks do happen. Ethereum is at 1716, down 12.5%. Now, it's been a couple weeks since it's been at this price, but it's still good momentum. BNB is in the number three spot at 261.84, still killing it, by the way. Polkadot is at 35.22 in the number five spot. And Cardano sitting at number six, down from $1.12 yesterday to 98 cents. We're still doing good, guys. We're still doing good. We're correcting back to what it was about four days ago. Same thing with the market cap, $1.595 trillion. BTC dominance, we're sitting at 62%. And in our main conversation today, I welcome on the VP of Engineering at Interchange GmbH, Tess Renierson, and she's going to talk about Stargate launching on Cosmos. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Thank you so much for having me. So what people don't know is that we actually, this is take two, because we had some microphone technical issues before this. So we just waffled on for a whole episode. And now we're doing this again. It's like we're just starting from new. So, hey, nice to see you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. So long time to see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but what we're doing today is we're talking about Cosmos's Stargate. I'm actually very interested in this because well, it opens up all kinds of new worlds, pun intended. Yeah, so um, Stargate is a big network upgrade for the Cosmos network. Um, and it's called Stargate because we really view it as something that we're passing through. Like it's a big pivotal moment for the network. I actually haven't seen like Stargate the movie or the TV show or whatever. So I actually don't know if this is an appropriate reference. I am going to edit that out because that's a shame. That is a damn shame. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, I my my vision of what a Stargate should be, right, is that it's something that you go through, um, and that's really like what we're doing. Actually, like we're really passing through, you know, into a whole new world. And this new world that we're passing into is one where the inter-blockchain communication protocol is enabled on the Cosmos network. So the inter-blockchain communication protocol, or IBC, is really Cosmos's flagship feature, I would say. You know, many people know that Cosmos is very focused on interoperability and, and making sure that many blockchains can all connect together into what we call the interchain or, you know, the internet of blockchains. And IBC is the protocol that actually enables that. So the thing to know about IBC also is that it's really, really agnostic. So sometimes we also like to compare it to like TCP IP, like it's, it's really, really low level. It doesn't even specify things like atomic swaps or value transfers. It's really just a way of like passing messages back and forth um, between two different blockchains. That also means that it's really um, I know I keep using the word agnostic, but it really is agnostic when it comes to networks, right? So it's turned on in the Cosmos network now, and it's implemented in the Cosmos network and, and in other um, blockchain networks that want to talk to the Cosmos network. But you don't actually need to connect to Cosmos to use IPC. You could have like a parallel universe where you use IPC in your own ecosystem. Of course, because we have this vision of the interchain and the hope for the interchain, our expectation really is that everything will ultimately be connected to each other. Um, but it's not going to necessarily have to happen directly. It doesn't even necessarily have to happen through the Cosmos hub. Um, although that is also something that, you know, 
the, the reason we built the Cosmos Hub is to be a place where lots of different networks can connect through and connect to each other. So for, for people who have not seen the movie, uh, Stargate is one <laughs> classic. Go watch it. It's a little old, maybe about, I don't know, 25 years old at this point. But they do have Stargates, big rings where you can go pass from one world to another world across galaxies and different solar systems. And it's connecting basically all these different worlds together. Really cool. Has some Egyptian things going on in there. And since you're connecting and passing through these gates to connect these different blockchains, what does that mean, really? What does it mean to connect Ethereum to, say, Zilliqa or Zilliqa to, say, um, Cardano? Is that how it works? And if you are connecting them, how does that work? I mean, not how does it work when he, with the connection and the tech, but what does that mean for the actual user to hold an ERC-20 and then send it to, say, a Zilliqa chain? First things first, the, the chains do need to like agree to talk to each other. Someone needs to be running what's called a relayer. I know you didn't ask about the tech, but I'll give you this one piece of technical detail, which is that you do need to run what's called a relayer, um, which kind of relays transactions between the chains. So just because two blockchains are both IBC compliant or IBC friendly doesn't mean that they can automatically talk to each other. Um, that's also partly why there are things like the Cosmos Hub that are meant to be hubs, right? The Cosmos Hub will talk to many, many blockchains. And so you can pass transactions through the Cosmos Hub if you want to get from two blockchains who maybe are, aren't necessarily talking to each other directly. What this means, of course, is that we're actually in this world where there's just like, I mean, maybe this is all obvious, but way more um, liquidity and like fundamentally way more value for the tokens on these disparate chains, right? Like tokens are as valuable as, as valuable as the things you can use them for. And so if you can do different kinds of swaps, do different kinds of things, that enables a whole new universe. Um, I also know that there's a whole host of DeFi applications that are going to be enabled by IBC. Um, I am like at the opposite end, I'm like not a, a finance person at all. So I can't really speak to those. But I know I've heard lots of rumblings that like, you know, that IBC is really going to make Cosmos uh, an even more appealing uh, home for, for DeFi projects. You said you're not a finance person, but I mean, if you have different chains, you know, with different prices and you're swapping from, say, a Ethereum chain to a Zilliqa chain to a, a Cardano chain, if they all agree, are you swapping the actual same value from uh, one chain to the other? Or are you only um, swapping the blockchain data information, say, if it's an NFT? It will depend on, like, the, the way to think about this is that IBC is this um, like messaging protocol alone. And then there, there will be applications built on top of IBC um, that actually kind of negotiate those terms. So, um, you know, uh, token transfers and atomic swaps are kind of a natural, obvious first choice for like a first application being built on IBC. Uh, you know, we're working on one of those specifically, and that will negotiate like some specific mechanics there. But it's also possible that someone could implement like a different um, token transfer application, you know, that, that leverages IBC to, to make a token transfer happen the way they want it to. Well, congratulations on the Stargate launch. Tess Renierson, VP of Engineering at Interchange GmbH. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. And another news. And by the way, this is my op-ed for today. A Russian man turns a video of him eating a live bat, yes, you heard that right, a live bat, into an NFT. And he's selling it for $4,500. Now call me naive, I never thought about this on NFTs. I mean, yeah, I guess everybody else has. If you have, you could probably fast forward this section, but I've never thought about the slippery slope of NFTs. Look, we've been covering on this show for months now. The NFT space is blowing up. People are selling NFTs for millions of dollars, and it's always outdoing the next person, making the next best art on the blockchain. But now 
we have performance artists. And this is animal cruelty. He's eating a live bat on an NFT token. And the thing about NFTs is they are on the blockchain. They're immutable, just like anything else. They're gonna live there forever. And if you buy that for 4,500 bucks, it's yours and nobody can take it from you. Nobody can delete it. So how slippery is that slope? When do we get to snuff and smut and even things I don't even wanna talk about on this podcast? All of it incentivized, financially incentivized to outdo the next person to get that next bid. Obviously, it lives in the blockchain, is mutable, so it's evidence in a court of law. But for financial gain, if you're anonymous or pseudo-anonymous, and you think you can get away with it by doing some really messed up stuff to get that one or two people to buy this on the FNFT, hold that forever, to say this smut is mine, when does this slippery slope be unbearable? And how, what do we do about it? Do we have the power as consumers just to not buy it? But there's always that one person that will or those couple people that will. Hmm, I'm not a slippery slope argument kind of person, but this makes me think. For the financial gain and incentives that are in the NFT space right now, what can we see come out of this very soon? We have man eating bat, what's next? Let's make sure that we stay vigilant and we call this out and we make sure that everyone knows that the crypto space does not tolerate this because I would hate to have anything worse than this tied to this community. This story is gonna connect around three separate dots, so bear with me with this logic. India regulator tells companies to sell their Bitcoin prior to IPOs. The Securities and Exchange Board of India, or the SEBI, the country's top financial regulatory authority, is cracking down on high-level executives who hold Bitcoin and intend to take their companies public. Now, if you remember in the beginning of this episode, I said India and Michael Saylor. Well, Michael Saylor's making waves, as we all know in the U.S., because he's championed a strategy of using companies' funds to buy Bitcoin. He holds around $3 billion in Bitcoin right now, which he bought for about $1.1 billion, and he just sold $1.05 billion in debt securities to buy more Bitcoin, which just so happens that 17,700 Bitcoin was just moved from Coinbase to undisclosed wallets. And if you take that number of Bitcoin times around maybe the average price of that time, around $57,000, it comes out to pretty close to $1.05 billion. So did Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy just buy $1 billion more of Bitcoin? Well, the connection to India is, is that Michael Saylor is pioneering hodling Bitcoin as a company, putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And if India is saying you have to sell your Bitcoin before you go IPO, well, people are looking at Michael Saylor going, well, he does it. America's doing it. Why can't we? And India crypto entrepreneurs and CEOs have formed an association to lobby the government for a regulatory framework because they want to huddle Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Hence, they made the site IndiaWantsCrypto.net. It's a petition so they can help fight for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency integration in their companies. And finally, in some uplifting news, Cape Cod's leading medical center now accepts cryptocurrency. So what happened was, Cape Cod's healthcare senior vice president and chief development officer, Christopher Lawson, a longtime donor, said, hey, maybe we should start accepting Bitcoin. And they did their due diligence. They put the work in to see if they actually could do it. And they set it up so their accounts can now accept Bitcoin. But as soon as they did it, they got not only one, but two donations of $400,000 a piece, totaling $800,000 in Bitcoin donations to this nonprofit organization. Pretty damn cool. Well, they took the Bitcoin and immediately transferred it to fiat. 
to make sure that it didn't go up or down. They just wanted the money straight away so they can use it for the purposes they wanted to. But it opens up a whole new way of giving. So congratulations to Cape Cod Healthcare and to the people who said, cool, let's do this, to implementing Bitcoin donations. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Please go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. Oh, by the way, if you guys don't know, we're also on Spotify and Stitcher and SoundCloud and almost every other place you can find a podcast. I'll see you tomorrow. And until then, happy hodling, everyone.